Welcome to the Beyond Beauty Podcast, a platform to highlight the beauty's industry talent, deconstruct their learnings, and spark ideas for your own business. The Beyond Beauty Podcast is created by Dilly, the leading creative agency working with the fastest growing brands in the industry. Here, we'll interview guests from major beauty corporations, creative directors, influencers, and founders, and even risk-taking entrepreneurs. Our guests are not only changing the traditional beauty landscape, they're also innovating in e-commerce, branding, and digital marketing. Join us as they share valuable advice, how they launch their business, and most importantly, ignite thought-provoking conversations across beauty, tech, and marketing. Hey everyone, we've got with us today Hannah Minardi and Austin Weiberg. They're the co-founders of Standard Self-Care, the leading cosmeceutical skincare line designed to help you streamline and upgrade your daily ritual with clean, bioactive products that actually work. With extensive experience as strategic consultants to brands including Nike, Target, Hope Pilates, Revolve, Suja Juice, Talentless, and more, Hannah and Austin recognize the gap in the wellness space. There's no shortage of clean beauty brands infiltrating your explore page. But if your products don't create lasting results in your skin, you'll return to your tried and true routine. That's why they join forces to create Standard Self-Care, a concentrated line of three cosmeceutical products that outperform your conventional lineup. Always bioactive, non-toxic, vegan, paraben-free, cruelty-free, fragrance-free, silicon-free, and designed with the highest standards to optimize your self-care practice and upgrade your quality of life. Wow. I'm excited to hear about those guys. This is awesome. How do you feel about listening to your, your own bio? Yeah, definitely. That was the best intro I think we've ever gotten by far. The cleanest, that's for sure. <laughs> Amazing. How difficult that can be. Let's go back a little bit. I'd love to hear about how you guys met. Where did this whole thing start? What was the inception story? I checked your profiles. I saw that you both went to Loyola Marymount. Why don't you take us through a little bit of where everything started? We both... Like you just said, we went to LMU together and we met in college. We were both kind of part of a similar kind of friend group who was in school, but already had was carving a career path for themselves, involved in a lot of startups. Going to school in LA is similar to a lot of other big cities, but it just naturally attracts people who are ambitious and starting things. And we were just very lucky to get into groups very quickly in college that were very encouraging of us pushing the boundaries of what we thought was possible in college. And we were both a part of some very fast-growing startups in the CPD world, which definitely kicked off quite in friendship because we were able to collaborate on a lot of things and it was why we initially met. And then also for both of us, it was the kickoff of our careers and just defining some of the bio that you explained. But that is what kicked it all off was being um, part of the groups that we were in and those first startups that we were ever had the chance to be a part of gave us a taste of kind of what we wanted to do later on and ultimately love us here where we have standard now and we also have agency that gets to consult with a lot of the early stage brands and gets to uh, really accelerate their growth. It's amazing. A lot of people, when they get the ins and outs of uh, working with CPG brands and scaling the brands from the inside, they get scared. Uh, but you guys were like, no, let's, uh, let's start our own business in the space. Yeah, um, about that is a lot of the people I first worked with at the first startups I was at, they all did get sued and they are no longer in CPG <laughs> and they, they went on a lot of different paths. But it definitely isn't the easiest route to have a startup and to, um, especially in the CPG world, um, there's been a lot of quick successes, but there's been a lot of 
more failures. So it comes with a lot of challenges. One of the things that I always ask when you guys have worked for other businesses, you've had some corporate jobs, you've worked with some major brands. At what point do you decide we're going to leave all of this? We're going to go on our own, leave the security of our jobs and we're going to venture into this. What prompted that decision? I studied entrepreneurship at LMU, so I knew the risks just going out into the realm. We were already, that's where we started. Honestly, I don't think we know anything really different other than taking massive risks to try and gain massive reward, right? So there has been times we've gone back and forth. A lot of that kind of has to do with our learning curves, I would say. Okay, we might not know as much as we originally thought, considering we were fresh out of college. We had like two years of experience working with these startups. When I really knew is when I felt like the structure of my mind changed around business and realizing like you might be part of a business, specifically when I was like working at Talentless with clothing, right? That's when I gained a lot of my Shopify knowledge and had a mentor that kind of challenged me to learn as much as possible. Whereas before that, I would say I thought I already knew it all, right? Because you go through college and you're like, oh, look, I'm this young kid. I, I know everything about the world. I know everything finally out of college. Um, but at the end of the day, you find out very quickly that you do not know everything and you will never know everything. And there's always something out there to learn. So I think it takes a lot of just perseverance in learning to realize, hey, I'm a small part of a big thing most of the time. How can I express my knowledge or gain more knowledge toward the fact of a top-down level, right? What does a CEO do? What does a CMO do? All the way down to the bottom of kind of what people would consider a hierarchy of business, right? So once you gain the concept of that, I think that's when you realize, one, you always want to be at the top. That's always like everyone's common goal, right? Regardless of if it's a startup or if it's corporate America. But two, like how do you get there fast? And I always saw startups and entrepreneurship as a way to get there faster versus trying to work 20, 30 years building my way up from the bottom level of a corporate ladder all the way to the top. What that does when you jump in and just try to learn as much as possible and fail as much as possible is it just exceeds your expectation of knowledge, right? Like you get to learn so much faster. Even when we talk about school, right? Like you're only going to learn so much about entrepreneurship in school. When you go out into the real world and try it yourself, is when you're going to learn the most and very quickly. It's interesting. I, I think a lot of the a lot of the young funders starting their first business, launching their first brand, there's a certain naivety that is like helpful, right? Like they they don't know how hard it's going to be, and so they just go ahead and launch the business. And then as they launch the business, they start realizing everything they don't know. But at that time, they're already in it, right? They're already in the trenches. The only way is forward. When you guys got things started, how did you decide on clean beauty? This is an incredibly saturated space across most verticals. You guys have a lot of competition from both big and small brands. How did you think about the space, the type of product, and then about differentiating from other stuff in the market? I think for us, we had the experience that we both talked about that a lot of these other CPG brands were very health and wellness focused. They were better products. So whatever we worked on, it was like the better version of something that had existed prior. It was the cleaner version. It was some of the products we worked on were some of the cleanest on the market. So we had been around that messaging and those types of uh, products that were really changing their particular markets. So we seen what worked, what didn't work. We both have been a part of in the wellness and CPG world as well. And when we all got together, we have another co-founder as well. 
we had beauty in mind, but we all knew that if we were going to put anything out, it had to be a higher standard, which eventually led to our name. So standard self-care was born from the very reason we even started working on these products is that we wanted to put things out there that were a higher standard. We are personally all passionate about better food products, about cleaner alternatives. Our other co-founder, his family is all from India and they use a lot of very natural, naturally derived ingredients and products that are not very common here for us both as well. Our families are just very conscious about the products that we're using, the things that we're eating. And as a personal passion, we wanted to put out products. Then we had also seen in the clean realm, whether it's through beauty products or the foods that you're eating, if the products that you're using or ingesting they're not actually bettering your life in some way, then you're going to go back to whatever your tried and true previous products were. So especially for beauty, and everyone knows that for deodorants, toothpaste, beauty products, if they're not hitting the mark as your other products that you've made for years, you're going to keep going back. So for us to try to tackle that clean market, we weren't unaware. There's many other brands that exist, but we knew we had to make it better and comparable clean version of products that people already love. It's interesting because obviously you guys saw that opportunity in the market. I'm wondering, like, how do you communicate that in your distribution? Tell a client that you know comes across your product for the first time, hey, this is a higher quality product. Most of us, when we go and buy skincare, we're not very sophisticated, right? A lot of the times the packaging speaks for itself. You trust and look at the things that look more high-end, but most people don't even stop and look at ingredients or a key ingredient list. How did you guys think about communicating that so the customer understands why you're higher quality? It's funny that you said that because I think that's actually where we started too in the brand. Kind of said, we looked at all the other brands out there and we said, what are they missing? And what they're really missing is a very holistic view of health in our opinion. Whereas one, you might have vegan skincare. Another brand, you might have non-toxic skincare and so on and so forth. We look to combine what is what we made, which is our list of no's of all of the things that we didn't want in products and made sure that all of our products suited towards that list of not having anything bad in there that would holistically affect your body negatively. So that was our main and what we consider our main differentiating like factor. How we went about marketing, like you said, we definitely have that all over the packaging, all over our website, pretty much everywhere you go. But you also touched on a big thing, which is a brand can tell you that they are healthy and that they are clean. But at the end of the day, that doesn't really mean that they are right? They might just be healthier, clean in one avenue, as we say, right? Whereas we aim to be overall holistically healthy. So what we do, it's a, I think a lot different than most people is one, we educate, right? A lot of what we on our TikTok and our social platforms, even in our ads, they're all based around education. What can this product do better for you? Why is it even in the marketplace in the first place? Why did we create this? Those are all questions that we like to answer at the forefront of all of our marketing. And I think that's hugely crucial because like you said, not a lot of people look at the ingredients sometimes, right? Even though our product's built for a more health-conscious consumer, we still realize that no one knows everything. Back to my original statement where we need to educate the consumer so they make the right choice in the first place. We're not saying we're the only brand out there. We're just saying, here's healthy choices. Here's ingredients to stay away from because they do this. They clog your pores, your hormone disrupting ingredients. So we have strayed away from all of these ingredients. Technically speaking, that's why you should choose us over another brand. On the packaging as well, 
I think a lot of the look of our packaging is also very derived from our prior experience actually in the realm and wanting to make it as transparent as possible. It is hard with ingredient lists for skincare, but we tried to hero which ingredients were the hero ingredients of that formula and then also why. So all of our packaging has the why of our hero ingredients. And then on our website and through Austin saying our marketing channels, we try to dive deeper on all the ingredients that you know. And we can be at that resource for our customers and just even people interested in skincare. Have you found that any channels are more conducive to people wanting to learn more? The TikTok versus Instagram versus direct e-commerce, retail, like where do you find your more sophisticated buyer, if you will? Definitely TikTok. I would say I wouldn't necessarily call them the most sophisticated of our buyers. It's actually probably the people who are just very beginner level when it comes to skincare. And so we actually built our whole strategy around basic education around skincare, hormone health, and how to yeah really have a good self-care routine that supports your overall life. Because as we realized when we started to grow, there's a lot of people who are struggling with something in regards to their skin. It's because of a lot of issues. So we really try to tackle and be a resource for people through our TikTok. Um, I would say more of our buyers that are probably more sophisticated are in some of our retail accounts and they just want to know and they're digging and trying to find the next best TV products. And so that's probably how they find us. And they're actually at one of these retail locations because they are that educated consumer. So we definitely have a span of people in our standard community. One of the big questions I always ask when you guys decided to start a company, I feel there's always two different avenues, right? Those that decide to bootstrap and go and build this on their own, or those that decide to, you know, seek financing, seek capital, venture capital sometimes. Which avenue did you guys decide to go under and what was your reasoning for it? I'm curious to hear your thought process. Pretty much everything Hannah and I have ever started has been bootstrapped. We like that because one, like the way that we see it, you, you're not blowing a bunch of money on an idea that may not work. You always have to test things. That's always my philosophy, test, learn, and then you start to have smaller wins that lead to bigger wins, right? So we chose bootstrapping specifically for this. We do have a third co-founder, like Kanda mentioned earlier, that is involved in finance. So we did, we did have a sum of money to pretty much put into the products. But I can tell you that our marketing budget is not even close to some of these other brands, right? So we really focus on an organic strategy. And that's why education is so pertinent to our brand as well. Because that's what people want to see. That's what they're looking for, right? They're looking to learn something most of the time. If you're putting video content in front of them, they're going to watch if you're teaching them something that they don't. We chose bootstrapping just because it fit our ideals. We didn't have a ton of money. We didn't have we do have connections with people in finance, obviously, but we chose to prove the concept before we go out and really raise a couple million dollars, mm-hmm. for instance, right? Because we want to ensure that one, other people's money is protected. I don't like having anybody else not protected, especially the people that are giving you the money to make your business work, right? So really, we're here to prove a concept, to make sure that concept can stick and stay for a long period of time rather than just be a fad. And I think that that's crucial to just canonize human beings, honestly. I know a lot of people, and that's what they teach you in entrepreneurship school. Build a deck, get an MVP together, and then go out and raise a ton of money. I actually did the exact opposite for all of my businesses, and same for Canada. Like, we did the exact opposite. We took $0 for our, for, we have a marketing agency as well, slash venture studio. 
So we didn't take a dime from anybody. We built it from zero dollars, right? Service agency, you don't need money for product. And that's what kind of led us to do this. And actually right now, like our venture studio teaches people how to do exactly what we're doing for a living. Yeah. And I would also say we both had some of our early startups. They took the opposite route and they had a lot of very fast growth. They took venture money with the first year. And so we were very lucky enough to be 17 to 20 in that age range when we got to watch what that can do. And there's pros to it. And we watched a lot of cons happen too. I would say there's no bad path. It's just you have to know the risks involved and the slower path is what we chose for now. It might change. It's interesting. You've seen a spectacular flame out in the past couple of years, specifically like year and a half of some of these brands that like raised a ton of money at the beginning. They bought users, they bought buyers essentially using cheap Facebook ads and so on. And then eventually that model no longer worked, became a lot more expensive and everything came crashing down. There's stories after stories. And I feel like every week we hear of XYZ brand that could not support the growth that they had set up with venture capital. So I think the world is different. Two years ago, three years ago, 2021, money was available. Everybody was raising money. It was easy. Nowadays, it's become a lot more difficult. So brands like yours that have learned how to build without relying on that external lifeline, I think have a much greater chance of succeeding than, than those that have their unit economics upside down. You hear it all the time now where it's like investors aren't looking to just blow a bunch of money in something and not have a path to profitability, right? That's the name of today's game of investing from what I've heard. wouldn't know because I don't look for that right now, I will say. But that's exactly what we took, again, to a higher standard, I would say. We want everything to be profitable before somebody puts money. Like that's, it's a large goal and we know it takes a lot of time, but we're in it for the long haul. So tell me a little bit more about the choice of products. Like, how do you guys think about what categories or what products use to go after? Where is your lineup today? And then what are you thinking about the future? For us, we have three products that we launched with. And they're, we're still very new. We actually launched um, last year. So for us, we're really proud to be able to put out a whole collection that has three products and is a great intro routine. There's a lot of other amazing startup skincare brands that only launched with one product for the first few years. So I think for us, being able to put out multiple products and get some really great feedback from initial consumers is important to us. We have a cleansing balm, which is our take on a gentle cleanser. And we have a daily moisturizer, which we think is just a great staple for anyone's routine. And we have an eye cream that we have modeled after a La Mer eye cream that I was always obsessed with, but wanted a clean version of. And so it's very anti-aging and targeted treatment, actually. And so the other basis of our brand is that it's a neutral brand. We wanted it to be able to be used by anyone and be pretty neutral for our first two products as far as skin types. So two of our three co-founders are men and then me. So we wanted it to be something that anyone could pick up and feel comfortable with the packaging and the actual product. So that was kind of the basis of it. I love that. I love the fact that you guys have launched products that are unisex and can be used by anybody. How have you seen the adoption show up? Do you see a lot of male adoption? Do you see, are these girlfriends or wives maybe buying for men? Or are, are these men stealing from their girlfriends or wives the product? Or do you start to see sort of conscious men trying to take care of themselves and actually making active decisions to buy these products 
and really get on the train of taking care of their skin and, and just overall their body. I would say it's all the above, right? We, we definitely hear stories of people like stealing, seeing their girls' products and things like that. But one of our like highest performing channels is actually like predominantly male gamers, like which we did not see coming out of anywhere, to be honest with you. That was probably the last thing that we really saw. Obviously, there's a way to market to different types of people. Right. So we're always looking at like new, fresh kind of incoming ways to market to those groups. But in no way, shape or form that I think that would be like a persona of our marketing catalog and consumer. That's for sure. But it just goes to show you don't really know until you find out. Yeah, completely. I would have never guessed that. And one of our top, we call them power users, are people who are most religious about our products is a woman who buys for her dad, actually, and who runs through bottles of <laughs> the product. It has spanned a lot more than we initially thought. And like Austin said, we have that other power user that's more on gaming apps and it's completely different. It's amazing. I think for when I think of what I'd love to see as a some man looking for skincare, it's always like just learning a little bit more about what is each thing, how does it work, when should I use it? I think there's an idea of also pragmatism. Of I want these two or three things that I go back to frequently, products that I trust, that are not high quality, and I have this set up and ready to go. And so I think you guys definitely fill that space. So it is, I'm excited to see how the, the industry evolves too and what men are starting to demand in the future and catching up with what women have had access to for a long time. Yeah, I think you nailed it too. Like a lot of, I think, men's concerns is one, the time it takes to learn. It takes a lot to learn. I know women study this shit habitually, right? So it's they're always concerned about what they're putting on their skin because they're more into the beauty and skincare realm in general, right? That's 70% of beauty consumers at minimum. But if when we look to make the brand unisex, we needed to simplify the routine, which is why we have a three-step routine and not a 20-step routine. I couldn't do Hannah's skincare routine at night because I'm always worried about how much time. <laughs> have, right? So it's very interesting how consumer action and their user experience, for lack of a better word, right, plays into our product very well. I think if you came out with a 20-step skincare routine, every guy that saw it on a Facebook ad would just be like, I'm not going to spend my time even doing the research of 20 different products. I think most women actually would if they're really truly interested in finding clean products, right? That's generally speaking. Obviously, we don't want to classify anyone like that. But in general, I just need something simple, routine, and clean. That's the biggest thing for me. And I need to know that it's effective. And that's exactly why we created these products for both types of people, right? It is clean. Women love it because it's so clean and it is effective. But guys can still use it because it's simple too and effective, right? Mm -hmm. It's something that can be easily consumable. And again, we try and make the knowledge as easily consumable as possible as our marketing strategy. Yeah. And since we're on a podcast where, you know, you get to talk to a lot of different founders, like we are still a work in progress with how we market it too. We haven't really heavily marketed it as a male Mm -hmm. product necessarily. Because we also weren't sure when we first launched if we wanted to have an actual men's line or how it would be received. But that's why it's been interesting to see just the array of people who are picking the product themselves. We're just seeing the packaging and the minimal amount of, I guess, segmentation that we've done at all. Yeah, I think it just naturally has found its way into a very neutral place. That's fantastic. Honestly, I think if you just go out there and test things, you'll find out things. 
And we knew, obviously, we have a lot of women out there that are going to want this, but we never really expected the amount of men, I think, that would purchase this. I was going for a 90-10 ratio, and it turned out to be <laughs> towards more like 65-35, I would say. That's amazing. I hope it's a category that keeps growing, and, and there's more products and more availability in the market for things like that. Because I think a lot of us, what we end up doing is stealing a lot of product away from our uh, wives and girlfriends, <laughs> which is the, the well, common practice. <laughs> Okay. Now I got my intro package with Standard. Now let's see what other products we want to create. And to do that, now I have to test everything. I'm the testing you. That's amazing. Look, what is next for you guys? Where do you want to take the brand next? What's looking in the next one to two years? What's coming up? Yeah, we have a lot of things. I think going back to even just our brand name, where we called ourselves Standard Self Care, which also was actually Austin's idea, but for us, we didn't want to segment ourselves just into skincare. We're very passionate about skincare because your skin is the largest organ and it is your sense of security and it's something that gives you so much confidence when you have great skin. It, you just are, can enter any place that you're in during the day and feel so confident and great about yourself. So it's really important, but we also are passionate about our holistic health sphere for everyone. So we want everyone to practice their skincare routine as a form of self-care and so for us coming up next we definitely want to bring out more products that are just under the general banner of self-care so we want to complete the skincare line we have a lot coming for that and we're excited but we also want to come out with products that support your overall self-care routine and more in the supplement realm and other additions as well i love that i feel like having a one-stop place to do all your self-care it's an incredible offering Right, you come here, you do, you want skin, you want supplements, you want anything that is necessary for you to take care of yourself, feel well, et cetera, uh, under one name. And the name is amazing, by the way. It really encompasses much more than just skincare. So you guys have done, have done it really well. Thank you. We appreciate that. No, I think you nailed on the head. Obviously, I'm itching. I work out a lot. I lift weights every day to try and pass the time in between meetings and things like that, right? It's my one haven where I can not think about work for two hours out of the day or one hour out of the day, however much time I have extra in the day. Well, that's what I'm really excited for is like the supplement ideation because for one, I've tested so many pre-workouts and proteins just for the last 30 years of my life that I'm just like, I'm ready to go. I really want to. I really want something that tastes good and is clean too, and still right. packs a punch when it comes to the level of and efficacy of the protein level. But I feel like none of that has really been done very well. You look at the Assault, which is sold at Costco. It tastes great, definitely not the cleanest, right? And, or you look at vegan protein styles, and it's okay. It may taste great, it may be clean, but the you're gonna have to take four scoops of it, right? The serving sizes right. are a little small for the protein capacity there. And that's one thing that we really focused on too, because what we see specifically in every brand is like, there's always this struggle between results and how clean it is to you. That's why we're a cosmeceutical brand. That's why we use bioactive ingredients. And that's why all of our ingredients are at like the utmost efficacy without being dangerous, obviously. But like efficacy is huge to us because a lot of these brands will try and sell you on, hey, this is a clean product, right? doesn't have the efficacy, it's not going to get you the result. Or, hey, this is going to get you the result. And then it's a pharmaceutical or it has terrible ingredients in it that's going to ruin other things much less than your skin. So it's very interesting and we try and find a very fine balance. So efficacy there is like the key word that we've always focused on. 
because we realized that the more natural ingredient you put in there, the more powerful it is. It comes at a hefty expense. We can tell you that for sure on a cost of goods, but it's completely worth it, right? To make it accessible to both all skincare types, men and women. It's, it really changes the game of how we look at skincare and how we feel about skincare. And we aim to pretty much push that into the rest of our products as well. Product efficacy is one of the big trends for 2024 and TikTok especially. I think you guys are right on target. We also want on the efficacy scale, we want it to be a product that the packaging and how it is, how it comes to you is something that you're excited about too. So a lot of the products that have that efficacy, there are others, but they're very medicinal. You are not as excited to display them or you're not even sure about picking them up because it doesn't really reach the consumer of today who's looking for products that catch them on a retail shelf or online. There's so many products. So we also didn't want our branding to feel really medicinal or like it came from your dermatologist. Exactly. Something more accessible too. Exactly. We think of it as like art that you can leave on your bathroom counter, honestly. So what is, where can guys, where people find you guys? Like where can they find the brand? Where can they find you? Yeah. So our social handles are all just at standard self-care. We're on every platform, but we're very active on Instagram and TikTok. And then our website is just standardselfcare.com. We also made a discount code for your audience today as well. So it will be on duty 40 for 40% off your first orders. So accessible that you can't tell us no. So we try and because we're not in a lot of retail stores, we want you guys to be able to try it and really love it and get it in your hands for a very low and minimum cost to you because we know you'll love it when you get it there. Amazing. We'll make sure to include that in the uh, episode notes as well. Appreciate it. It's great to have you guys. Thank you for taking the time. It's great meeting you too. Of course. Great to meet you too. And you have a good rest of your day. Yeah. 